most financial podcasts that talk about stocks probably don't pick them. You know, formally. Pick them to beat the market. Pick them for three years. A lot of people will talk about stocks, but may not walk. Now, I'm not trying to call anyone out. Truth is, I don't listen to many financial podcasts, pretty much just Motley Fool ones, so I'll be the first to say that I only suspect you can let me know otherwise that most financial podcasts do not pick stocks over specific defined periods, score them, talk about the score, good or bad, and then revisit them a year later. Two, three. Most, I'm just betting, do not. Well, this one does. I've always done it, and in part because the act of picking, of scoring, of holding yourself accountable is really the best way I know to get better at investing. So this week, we will look back on Rule Breaker Investing. It's Review of Palooza. We'll look back one, two, and three years to see how three different five-stock mini-samplers have performed. How's Tesla done for us? How about Alphabet or Planet Fitness? How are we doing? And what can you learn? on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Rule Breaker Investing. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. That's linkedin.com slash fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm David Gardner, joined this week by my friend Emily Flippin. Emily, welcome to Rule Breaker Investing. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to Rule Breaker <laughs> Investing because you and I both know that you were rookie of the year for our market cap game show when we played a few months ago. And March is coming, end of March. Emily, and I'd love to have you back for the market cap game show. I'd Next. love to do it. I was just thinking we were talking about Etsy earlier today, and I had the conscious thought in my head. Gosh, I don't know if I can remember the market cap of Etsy. <laughs> and, uh, and I was not, very disappointed. <laughs> I'm never going to say ahead of time what's coming to to my game show contestant. We'll always keep it a secret which stocks I'm going to ask about. But you're right that Etsy has had an interesting place on the market cap game show. So yes, if you're a new listener, you don't know that we play a game show every quarter where I basically bring in one of my friends around the fool, in this case, Emily Flippin, and I quiz relentlessly this person, asking them the values of companies, like how much is Amazon worth today? We're not talking about the stock price. That's just the price per share of a stock. No, we're talking about the market capitalization. When you multiply the share price by the number of shares, you get the total value of a company, for the most part, and that's the market cap. And so It's just a wonderful game that we play once a quarter, because A, we have to play games in the show, that's just how we roll, and B, it's a great discipline to start thinking about the world in terms of the price tags on the things around you, the companies that you can buy. And Emily, you distinguish yourself with your performance in your rookie appearance, the Market Cap Game Show. Only downhill from here, though. That's the problem. Start off too strong, and you have nowhere to go. I insist you do not do that. Do not go downhill. Well, at least not today, because today, I have you in for a different reason. We're going to be going over... This is the Review of Palooza Rule Breaker Investing Podcast because you well know, and any longtime listener of my podcast knows, that we pick stocks about every 10 episodes or so. We'll pick five stocks, and I call them my five stock samplers. And I'll usually have a theme, 
uh, and I'll tie to those stocks, and then we'll check back a year, two, three years later and see how we did. And it's an important component of rule breaker investing is always keeping score, always looking to beat the market, always keeping score. And I'll probably have a few lessons about that at the end of this week's podcast. But really, what we're here to do is this is an all time record for this podcast. We're going to be taking three separate five stock samplers from the past, and we're going to see how those stocks have done. We're going to learn why. And that's why I'm really happy to have Emily joining me because I don't think I could probably go back over 15 different stocks and have good substantive stuff to say about every one of them all by my lonesome. So, Emily, awesome to have a wonderful sidekick to help me and us understand how these companies have performed, why they're up, why they're down from one, two, three years ago. Oh, it's great to be here. Hopefully, I can provide some of that clarity, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> all right. Now, before we start our first Five stock sampler. By the way, each of these five stock samplers was from February. There's one from last February, a year ago. Then there's one from two years ago, February. And then, yep, three years ago this month. And that five stock sampler we will be bidding goodbye to because we will not keep reviewing these stocks ad infinitum. Otherwise, Rule Breaker Investing would be completely taken over by reviews of five stock samplers. So we have to sunset these, say goodbye to them from time to time. So we'll be doing that with the stocks from 2016. But before we get started, I want to mention next week is our monthly mailbag on this podcast. So if you have a question, thought, suggestion, or poem, rbi at fool.com is the email address. Love for you to reach out. We read them all. We can't present them all because we get pages and pages worth of notes from you and great questions and thoughts and stories. And I'm looking forward, as always, to our mailbag next week. And then why not? I'll just mention what we're going to do the first week of March. It's going to be one of those series that we do from time to time about once a year. It's Mental Tips, Tricks, and life hacks. It's going to be Mental Tips, Tricks, and Life Hacks, Volume 4, coming to you on March 6th. Now, if you have a mental tip, trick, or life hack, I'd love for you to email us rbi at fool.com. Again, is the email address. Of course, you can always tweet us at RBI Podcast on Twitter. I already have a pretty good short list that I'm looking forward to presenting, but I bet you can top some of mine. And I'm going to put in yours ahead of mine if you've got a better mental tip, trick, or or life hack that we can present at the start of March. All right, so the day was February 7th, 2018. What were you doing on February 7th, 2018? Well, I can tell you what I was doing the day before February 7th, 2018. I was taping this podcast because every week we tape on Tuesdays, generally, and then we broadcast. We put it up there on Wednesday. But February 7th, 2018 has a special place in my soul. I think this is definitely a TMI moment. But maybe I can turn it into a public service announcement. I was having my first and only so far colonoscopy on February 7th, 2018, as this group of stocks came public. Now, quickly scrambling to turn that into a PSA, I think if you're over 50 years old, you owe it to yourself, your family, and your health to do that, male or female. I think my wife and I both did it like the same week. It was like a his and her colonoscopy week for us. But it was actually kind of a pleasant experience. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. Anyway, what was also happening that day is that this list of five stocks came out, and the theme was five more stocks to feed the next bear. And the reason it was called that is because 
this is almost an ongoing five-stock sampler series. We'd first picked stocks in advance of a bear market in 2016, so I think my talented producer, Rick Engdahl, decided we'll call this five more stocks to feed the next bear. And Emily Flippin, these five companies came out. They were, we'll go with alphabetical order based on company name. They were Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Novo Nordisk, and Tencent. And I remember having listened back to that podcast in preparation for this week's show that pretty much the market was just about at an all-time high. I was really happy. Emily, I bet you were happy. I think we were all very happy in February last year. <laughs> we were. And and yet, and this was a funny sidelight, the week that led up to it, basically the first week of February in that week, it was, the, it was like the worst week in years for the market. The market had just dropped, and I was down 8% just with my portfolio in the one week leading up to this podcast. So, a, a funny juxtaposition of all-time highs, and yet an 8% clunker in a single week. And it was then that we picked these five stocks. And the two traits I was looking for are companies with low risk ratings and then companies that are big. I wanted big, safe companies with low risk ratings. That's why we end up with companies like Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, etc. So, I'll reveal the numerical performance at the end of our conversation, Emily. But as I look over this list of companies, the outperformer so far has been Amazon. Amazon up 15%, the market up 3.9%, 4% we'll call it, since the podcast a year ago. Bad news for this five-stock sampler. If that's the best performer and it's only up over the market by 11 percentage points or so, maybe this hasn't been a great sampler to start. But what has happened to Amazon in the last year or so? Well, I think a lot of things. I think Amazon maintains a lot of optionality, and they definitely have you know kind of cashed in on that in 2018. I mean, the Amazon Web Services, their cloud business, it's so important, and I'm not sure if investors or the public in general really realized how far ahead Amazon was in that space until 2018. You know, until the competitors started to come out, and you're like, gosh, you know, Amazon. Amazon is almost a clear winner here. So that was a big development in 2018. Um, and there's just so much optionality and success that they've had from virtually every part of their business. I mean, going into 2019, I'm not sure if I can tell you what Amazon's going to do next, but I can tell you it's probably going to be great. It's funny. I first picked this stock in 1997. It's basically been a long term hold. It's really ironic in some ways then that it was like a pick as recently as a year ago just on this podcast. I mean, it it it, it is a company that has evolved. As you're mentioning Amazon Web Services, I remember that it didn't even exist when amazon.com was Earth's biggest bookstore, which is when I first picked the stock, but it's it really has just continued to evolve and adapt. That's true of a few other players here that we'll be talking about, but it's a spectacular story of just constant winning. In the face of some really tough moments, at its worst, Amazon went from 95, right around $95 a share to, I think, around 7 in 2001. And um, so, you had to really live through some real loss and some real pain. Of course, that's going to be true of almost anything in life. If you try to do something, whether it's a, an excellent marriage, uh, a long-term buy and hold, or your own business, you're going to have some tough times over 20-plus years. And yet, look how spectacular it's been despite that. So, let me go then to the opposite end of the performers here, Emily, because Tencent has been the company in this list 
of stocks that has been the real underperformer, down 19% against the markets up four, so it's a minus 23. What's happening with Tencent? What's not happening with Tencent, I think, is the better question. <laughs> I'm not even sure where to begin. We have, you know, China cutting down on on gaming in the country, increasing regulations, uh, potential for trade war, uh, concerns over privacy and government interference with the company. And, you know, we see a lot of failed Chinese IPOs, and maybe there's just some investors who are scared to get into China right now, and that's justified. But the stock price, Definitely has started to show it. And Tencent, despite being such a large and such a stable company, which is, I'm sure, why you originally added it to this podcast. Indeed. List. And it was at $53.40 a year ago today. It's right about 43.5. So that's the down 19% we're talking about. But even down 19%, it's still a behemoth company. It, it is a behemoth company. And, you know, we talked about Amazon and what made Amazon special was the optionality there. And to an extent, I mean, Tencent has it too, to the extent that a large company can have the optionality. Their user base is so large that it will be very interesting to see if some of these macroeconomic headwinds continue into the future or if it starts to blow at Tencent's back. All right. So I've just led with the biggest winner. Amazon about 11 percentage points ahead of the market. The biggest loser of these five, Tencent, down 23 percentage points to the market. Somewhere in between are Alphabet, Apple, and Novo Nordisk. Let's just take them quickly in that order. Emily, what has been happening with Apple over the last year or so? Well, Apple's been interesting as well, because they come out with these new products. There's been a lot of great sales growth, but then they say, well, we're going to stop breaking out iPhone sales, and investors start to be concerned. And so the movement this year, which has been kind of in between the market, it comes amidst a fact that I think there was a mid-year surge of like 30%. Um, so, you know, it's really interesting looking at Apple because moving forward to the future, I think the market might be a little confused for it. And if there is a bigger, more innovative company in the world than Alphabet, which is of course often referred to simply as Google, and since Alphabet continues to rock the ticker symbols G-O-O-G and G-O-O-G-L, it's understandable why people might just think it's Google. It's a lot more than that, though, and really, as we've looked at Alphabet over the years, a perennial uh, pick within Motley Fool Rule Breakers, um, is there a more broadly, influentially innovative company in the world today? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure if I know the answer, but I know if there is, then Google is a close second, mm -hmm. uh, to say the least. Uh, you know, they're competing in the cloud development space as well. You know, they have lots of opportunity to monetize their numerous platforms like YouTube, um, and ad revenue is is still, while there are investor concerns over it, still growing faster than than their traffic acquisition costs, for example. So, I mean, they have a lot of sway and control over at least. American search. And so I think there's a lot of influence that that Google still has. Well, I'm happy to say both Apple and Alphabet are beating the market here. Uh, the market again up 4% from a year ago, Apple up 7%, Alphabet up 6.5%. So they're each eking out a few percentage point win over the S&P 500. The last company we'll talk about, the least known but still a very big company unto itself, Novo Nordisk. Now, I think a lot of our listeners um, who may not have heard the podcast a year ago when I presented each of these companies might wonder, what is Novo Nordisk? Well, they're the largest producer uh, for diabetes medication worldwide. 
So they're they're very influential. They're moving into a lot of different spaces, but diabetes is still their their kind of bread and butter. And Novo Nordisk itself is about flat from where it was a year ago, so it's slightly trailing the market. Pretty remarkable story overall, though. Over the last ten years, just checking the stock chart here, Novo Nordisk about ten years ago was at ten. Today it's at fifty. So this might be the world's least well-known ninety-six billion dollar company. Again. European Scandinavia based. So, in fact, it's very well known outside of the United States of America. But even here, I think most people don't know of this amazing company. So, there we are. Five more stocks to feed the next bear. So, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is these stocks, as an average, are up 2.1% as we broadcast one year later. The market, as I mentioned, is up 3.9%. So, these stocks are a about two percentage points behind the market in their first year of trying to beat the bear. Now, certainly the last year has contained elements of a bear market. If you check a stock chart of the S&P 500, the Nasdaq, you'll see it kind of caved in in the fourth quarter of 2018, but a lot of snapback too. So these companies are resilient. I do trust another two years from now when we're reviewing these companies after three years of holding five more stocks to feed the next bear. I do trust they'll be beating the market. I sure hope so. But of course, we're picking these stocks to beat the market, so I sure hope this group will perform. All right, let's go further back in time. Rick, maybe a little bit of back in time music. Excellent. So now we're in 2017. Emily, do you remember where you were in February of 2017? February of 2017. So that is two years ago. I was graduating from college. Outstanding. Did you have, was it an emotional? College graduation that spring for you? It was a bit. So I was graduating from China, kind of had the realization, you know, I'm leaving the country and I probably won't be back. You were in Shanghai, right? In Shanghai. But you were part of the NYU. You were. Yes, New York University. I was just part of their graduating class in China. Yes. Spectacular. Um, I don't exactly remember where I was two years ago today, but I can tell you I was not having a colonoscopy. I'm pretty sure about that. Okay. Well, the day was February 15th of 2017. That's when we came up with our five stocks the world needs right now. I'll say a little bit more about that in a sec. By the way, each of the three five-stock sampler reviews we're bringing you this week, you can go back and Google. Just Google five stocks the world needs right now, or maybe you'll see it there in iTunes or on Google Play. But you can always find all past Motley Fool podcasts at podcasts.fool.com. So if you were to Google the phrase Rule Breaker Investing, Five Stocks the World Needs right now, it would point you right at this podcast. And you might enjoy going back and hearing what I was saying about these five companies. But Emily, now we're back in the present, and you and I are going to talk through these five companies just like we talked about the previous ones. So these companies were alphabetically Alkermes, Alphabet, yep. I had Alphabet on the brain once again in February. Uh, Next one was Fact Set Data Research, and then the New York Times Company and Tesla, five stocks the world needs right now. Now, the market atmosphere, because in preparation for this week's podcast, I went back and listened to that one too. There were some big market moves the previous three months. The market was riding atop a very broad-shouldered bull. And I remember saying at the time, pinch yourself at how good the stock market had been leading up to this podcast. I picked these companies for four years, and I was in particular being influenced at the time by a lot of talk, which was mainstream American talk in particular about 
so-called fake news. Um, and a lot of people doubting the veracity of things being said in the political arena and through the media itself. Facebook was getting called out. Um, Donald Trump was being called out. A lot of people had some questions about what truth meant anymore back then. And that's why I went with a list of stocks, not all of them, but a number of these were about fact-checking and, and facts. And uh, at least in the case of the New York Times Company, some people may feel like they're not always factual themselves, but at least they're an authority. And they certainly stand prominently as a respected member worldwide of the fourth, the so-called fourth estate. So that's kind of what was going through my mind back then. But really, even more so, Emily, I was thinking about the importance of these companies, like what they do every day that people rely on. A company like, well, Alphabet, Google, um, being able to Google things and look them up. So all five of these companies are important players within capitalism. So the market from two years ago is up 18%. So the market's up 18%. That's the bogey these five companies are trying to beat. The worst performer, let's start with the worst, is Alkermes. Now, this is a company, I believe it's based in Ireland. It's a European-based company. But they attack things like depression and the opioid epidemic with a lot of their products. And yet, Alkermes, despite being a company the world really does need right now, stock is down from about 57 to about 34 in the two years since I, well, thumbed it up on this podcast. Emily, what has been happening with Alkermes? Well, there's a lot of, of regulatory approval that, mu- that these companies must go through. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're trying to fix a, a very big issue. If the FDA doesn't sign off, the FDA doesn't sign off. And, you know, that's unfortunately what Alchemies has been seeing is a lot of FDA headwinds. Yeah. And so for a company, even a sizable one like Alchemies, it certainly doesn't control its destiny in a way that so many other companies of that same size do. Now, the best performer in this list of five is the New York Times Company. The stock was at $15.95 on February 15th of 2017. I'm using closing prices from that day for every one of these. And today, as as I look, the stock is trading Tuesday afternoon at $31.76. Why am I taking it out to the hundredth, to the penny? Well, because the stock is up 99.1% since being picked on this podcast two years ago. So, that's way ahead of the market. Again, 99% with the S&P up just 18 percentage points in that same time. Have you taken a look at all what's happening with the New York Times company? Yeah, and I'm sure this was not a pick without its controversy. Uh, however, the New York Times was poised to succeed, if off anything, off just the reputation, the you know household name that it soon became thanks to things like fake news. And they did a great job of growing their subscription revenue and their digital sales um, and driving traffic to their sites, really making them a part an integral part of the American media landscape. And so I think that's probably the result of, or what it causes, the 99% increase in stock price. And you're right, Emily. And certainly that's been a stellar performer for Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Again, all of the companies that Emily and I are presenting to you this week are all drawn from our existing services, Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Motley Fool Rule Breakers. And so that's why I call these samplers, because we're sharing with you some of the ideas. There are many more that our members own and that we report on through both of those services every week. But at least for Stock Advisor, where I picked New York Times Company, it really has been that conversion from a old media model to a new digital 
global subscription model that has powered the New York Times. Some people would say, maybe Donald Trump himself would say that he's helped them by calling them out and calling them the I, failing New York Times. <laughs> so he calls them out, but in a way, he kind of is giving them publicity and maybe maybe helping them. That's a funny dynamic too. But so it's interesting that the best performer up ninety nine percentage points, the worst performer down forty one, respectively. We're already ahead of the market, just netting out those two. Now the other three companies, we've already talked some about Alphabet. I'm not sure there's much more to say other than I'd like to give the performance of Alphabet over the two years. Again, the market up eighteen percent. Alphabet up 36 percentage points. So we're beating the market by 18 percentage points with Alphabet. But let's talk a little bit more about fact set data research because I doubt there's another podcast in the world that this week said, let's talk a little bit more about fact set data research. <laughs> so I just wanted to say that anyway. And then, oh yeah, maybe we'll talk about Tesla too. But let's do them in that order. Emily, fact set data research, for me anyway, is a steady, data company. Of course, they're powering a lot of the data that we take for granted when we read news or business reports. They're doing things like earnings numbers, and you'll see them quoted out. Their analysts are all about the numbers that underlie a lot of business and our culture. So, it's a quiet, unknown company. The stock was trading at 180 two years ago. Today, it's about 225, so it's up 25%. What's been happening with FactSet data research? Well, FactSet succeeds when the market succeeds. It tends to do well when we're seeing a healthy Wall Street. And you said two years ago, you have to pinch yourself because the market has been performing so well. So you can only imagine, you know, looking back now about how the market has performed since two years ago. And seeing that facts that research really became an important part of the landscape on of reporting on companies and, and helping kind of it, it continued to expand the American financial sector. So they did a great job, grew revenue, have wide profit margins. Not not much to see here. Yeah, and it, it is funny how invisible the company is in broader terms. I do want to note that the market being up 18 percentage points from two years ago, that's about the historical average. When a market tends to rise 9 or 10% a year, if you just think about it just in a two year increment, that's about 18 percentage points. So it's been an average good average stock market, but it's nice to see facts at data research up 25 percentage points ahead, seven points over the market averages during that time. Now, the last company we'll talk about in this five-stock sampler from 2017, five stocks the world needs right now, is a little company named Tesla. Tesla, before we talk about it, I'll just mention Tesla's up 10 percent in these two years. The market up 18 percent. So, Tesla has been an underperformer. We've been, if you've just bought the stock, Two years ago with this podcast, you're behind the market. It's been a very volatile and interesting, fascinating time in the life, not just of Tesla, but of Elon Musk himself. Any thoughts to share about Tesla? Other than I see where you're going with the facts. And, you know, maybe Elon Musk should start to fact check himself before he tweets a little bit. Um, and I don't I would... think I was saying that back then, but it's become more interesting, hasn't it? Well, it's played well into the theme, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, Tesla, we, I think Tesla is kind of out of the doghouse in a lot of investors' minds. While Elon Musk might not be, now is the time for Tesla to start delivering. In 2018, man, were they were they close to not reaching that goal. Uh, but reaching profitability, we'll see if that profitability sustains itself. But assuming it does, you know, 2018 was an exciting year for Tesla, but I think the doubt still remains in investors' minds, which probably, you know, shows for some of that market lag. You know, I do want to say because I think it's been fairly fashionable in the last year or so to take shots at Musk, at Tesla, 
and at some other great companies. And I know some people don't think this is a great company anymore, but I think Facebook is a great company. So these companies kind of come and go in and out of favor. And I would say right now, Facebook and Tesla are both a little bit out of favor. But I want to say two things about Tesla. The first is, how many other car companies now in 2019 are advertising their electric, all-electric vehicles coming out in 2020 or 2021? There's some large automotive companies that are almost going pure electric. So it's been remarkable. What I was saying two years ago, the reason that the world needs Tesla right now wasn't because of fake news. This is one of those that was just about the conversion to electric and how I think that that really will help the environment and the whole world. It's a much cleaner world and a more spectacular world. The way that electric cars feel as you drive them, their capabilities, which exceed the cars I grew up with, pretty fantastic. You kind of feel like a superhero when you're driving a Tesla around. And these days, I am driving more often than not, my Model 3. And that didn't exist two years ago when we did this podcast. In the meantime, the Model 3 has come out. It's a spectacular and beautiful car. So I think in a lot of ways, I sure hope Tesla will continue to be a market beater. It's been a spectacular long-term rule breaker. I first recommended the stock on November 23rd of 2011. That sounds right around Thanksgiving 2011. And I still give thanks now seven plus years later because Tesla is a nine bagger up 879% from 31 to 310, basically. So take it all in all, it's been a spectacular rule breaker stock. But hey, within the context of this five stock sampler, Emily, all that matters is performance. What have you done for me lately? Tesla up 10%, market up 18%. So it's eight percentage points behind the market. Okay, we're going to get ready to warm up our final five-stock sampler, but I need to give the numbers for this one before we move on. So, five stocks the world needs right now from February 15th of 2017. These stocks average 26.1%. You already know the market is up 18, in this case, 18.3%. So, we're basically up eight percentage points on average per stock up and down this list of five stocks the world needs right now. That feels better. It does. It does. It feels much better. And, you know, I think one of the lessons you can take away, and I'm going to give a few at the end of this podcast, but one of them is that generally the longer your holding period, the more confidence you can have that you're going to do well and beat the market, especially with these kinds of rule breaker companies. Because in any given day, week, month, even year, the market's very unpredictable and these kinds of companies can get really bashed. In fact, the fourth quarter of 2018, as I mentioned earlier, was an ugly time for rule breaker investing. But hey, just go back a year, two, three, which is where we're heading next, and you might be quite pleasantly surprised by how well these companies stand up over time. All right. Well, I like to save the best for last on this podcast. It just so happens as we go back further in time, it does get better. But first... Making that perfect hire can help set your team up for success in this new year of 2019, but where do you find that person? Well, that's why when it comes to posting your job, go where you have access to an engaged community that people visit every day, LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members aren't checking job boards regularly, but 9 out of 10 LinkedIn members say they're open to and interested in new opportunities, maybe like yours. With most of the U.S. workforce today on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. It's no wonder a new hire is made every eight seconds using LinkedIn. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. $50 off your first job post, linkedin.com slash fool. 
All right, we're about to go even a little bit further back in time, Rick. Yep, and I went back and listened to this one too. And on February 10th of 2016, the podcast that came out that day, Five Stocks to Feed the Bear, I was wearing a great big red sweater because the whole market was down. It had been a very bad few months back in February of 2016. At the time, I was saying ever since mid-August, so it was like a six-month run, Rule Breaker Investing anyway, and the market itself had been pretty weak. And quite spectacularly, in some ways shockingly, in just the previous three months, the following companies were all down at least 20%. Apple, Amazon, and Disney. So some really big, important companies had all lost about a fifth of their value in just one quarter. So that was the environment when we picked five stocks to feed the bear. Now, the two attributes that I was looking for with this five-stock sampler were low risk ratings. I wanted to find, again, companies that were lower risk, but this is sort of the opposite of the 2018 sampler that we just talked about, Emily. These companies were small. These weren't the big ones. I was looking for a range of market capitalizations from $1 billion to $5 billion. So, small fry that nevertheless had low risk associated with them. And in the face, I thought, of a potential bear market, or really, it was quite a bad market at that time, I liked these companies for appreciation going forward. Well, one of the things I've always tried to do with this podcast is save the best for last. And it's fun to go back in time and see how things have done, especially when you have a lot of time. And uh, let's talk about five stocks to feed the bear. So, Emily, here they are, alphabetically. Carter's, Ellie May, IPG Photonics, Mercado Libre, and Planet Fitness. Two things to say about that list of stocks. One, one of them just announced it was getting bought out recently. We'll talk about that in a sec. And number two, these were the exact same companies that I picked in my five-stock sampler from a few weeks ago, my most recent one. So, if you didn't get a chance to hear five stocks shrouded in mystery, I'll give it away right now. The mystery is that I simply decided to re-up these five companies once again to show that winners win. Usually, the winners keep on winning, and I really like all five of these companies, even though one of them is a gross underperformer. The other four, though, have all beaten the market, and in some cases, beaten it up silly. And as I did pick these stocks three years ago, and as I mentioned a little bit earlier, this is going to be the last time we ever review this beautiful five-stock sampler. Now, these kinds of companies we're going to keep holding, and darn it, I re-picked the very same companies a few weeks ago, as I already mentioned, so you can imagine that we're not really sunsetting it. But for the purpose of this podcast, I'm not going to review ad infinitum every five-stock sampler. So, I think three years for this one, I think I said that at the time, is a good cutoff. So, thank you, Carters. Yes, I'll even thank you, too. Um, Ellie May, IPG Photonics, Mercado Libre, and Planet Fitness, because this is the dream five-stock sampler I'm hoping to deliver every 10 weeks on this show, and it's nice to see when we get that kind of performance, darn it, on a free podcast. And Rick, I know you've thought hard about what's the right music to say goodbye to a five-stock sampler, and so why don't we just go ahead and enjoy maybe for 10 or 15 seconds just that, that musical goodbye to Five Stocks to Feed the Bear. Happy trails to Until we meet again Happy trails to you Keep smiling until then 
So these are from three years ago, five stocks to feed the bear, but from just three weeks ago, five stocks shrouded in mystery going forward. Emily, let's start with the underperformer. Carter's, the baby clothes company, uh, was at 85 three years ago. Today it's at 90. So it's up five or six percent. Problem is the market over that time is up 50 percent, an outstanding three-year return for the S&P 500. There's just such a challenging retail environment, and you this Carter's is just proof that you can have a great, well-run company that doesn't escape the trends of the industry. But I think it's saying something that we have a brick-and-mortar store that's still making the transition to e-commerce up in this type of environment. So while it's a market underperformer. I don't think it's necessarily a testament that Carter's itself is a is a poorly run co- company. It's just you know the macro trends right now aren't really in support of retail businesses. Yeah, and a big part of their business is that bricks and mortar, as you mentioned, Emily. But of course, Carter's and Oshkosh Bagosh, and basically they have their own branded apparel and merchandise, so they can sell that in more attractive venues, like for example, digital like e-commerce, and do pretty well. So, this is not a straight retailer at all. This is a branded maker of garments that I continue to favor, and that's why I just picked it once again a few weeks ago. I'd like to see Carter's perform better over the next three-plus years, but I'm glad you mentioned that. It is up, as disappointing as it's been. So, it's up basically 5%. Market's up 50%. So, that's a minus 45 to start with this five-stock sampler. Let's next go to the company that got bought out just a few weeks ago, Ellie Mae. Yeah, Ellie Mae kind of got saved here. Um, you know, it's being acquired, taken private, and this you know mortgage industry, I guess, originator um, set up the platform, makes it easy for any consumer to kind of set up a mortgage. And unfortunately, the housing market right now might be headed into a, a, I don't say a downturn. That's not a great word, uh, but just an overall decline. That's not to say it won't increase later. I mean, we just see these cycles. But the fact that it was taken private at this point is a testament to that fact. Um, but it's being taken private at a pretty significant premium. Um, so I think it got saved a little bit from being a total underperformer. Well, and it had been underperforming, but now. With that premium price paid for, Ellie Mae, which is an impressive company, I want to make it clear, even though it had been underperforming, this is a long-term winner for us in Rule Breakers. For this podcast, anyway, three years ago it was at 60. Today, it's right around 99, where it's going to get bought out. And that means it's up 66% against the market's 50. So, that's a plus. We'll round it to plus 15. So, that starts to make up some of the gap created by Carter's. We're not above water yet, and yet with the next company we'll talk about, IPG Photonics, we're about to go into market-beating territory. So, IPG Photonics picked 81.5 three years ago. Emily, it's at about 153 today. That's up 87%. What's been happening with this player? Well, laser production has just taken off. It's become such an important part of businesses, and IPG Photonics has positioned themselves well to succeed. Um, so, long term, definitely been a market beater. Unfortunately, over the past year, because a majority of of their sales do go to China, um, they've face some, you know, some issues regarding that. But I think, you know, you look back far enough, when you have a long enough viewpoint, like you said, you start to see a market beater. And you really do. In fact, if you go back well before the three years ago when I picked this stock to when we first picked it in Rule Breakers, years before that, or how about when it 
first came public as a company, Valentin Gaponsev, the Russian-American, the Russian emigre, the CEO and founder of this company, has just been an amazing performer and a great story about how to do capitalism right, innovate, and make the world better. So this has certainly made a lot of Motley Fool members' stock portfolios better because, as we mentioned, IPG Photonics up 87%. That's 37 percentage points ahead of the market. So now we're cooking. We're ahead of the market now net-net by about 7 percentage points. But here come our two big-time winners. Let's first go to Mercado Libre. Now, Emily, you and I were having a conversation earlier today at, at The Fool talking about what kinds of stocks we would want to name as sort of core holdings or what we call our starter stocks at Rule Breakers for the year ahead. Now, we're not printing that list yet. We're just discussing the different kinds of companies. But Mercado Libre was a company that you brought to the table and mentioned as a potential starter stock for 2019-20. I, I love the work that Mercado Libre is doing with e-commerce retail and locations that you know haven't fully expanded into it yet. Uh, so I'm not surprised that this has been a complete market crusher because it has grown into such a large company. And unfortunately, I don't know the market cap off the top of my head. Um, so maybe don't ask me that next <laughs> month. Uh, but I know it's no longer a small cap company when you originally brought it up. Um, so Mercado Libre just despite all the political risk, has really been providing an amazing service to people in developing economies and doing a lot in the payment processing space that I think puts it in an extremely competitive position. And for those keeping score at home, I do believe the market cap is around $16 billion, which on the one hand sounds pretty big com compared to when we originally picked the stock, uh, when it was just sub $5 billion market cap, but it still sounds pretty small relative to being the number one e-commerce company. It can be bigger in Latin America today and going forward. So it continues to feel like a big time winner for Motley Fool members, especially Rule Breaker members, where the service is picked from. Now I should mention the performance of this stock, and I've certainly talked about. It. I think I probably talked about it a few weeks ago since I repicked it on Five Stocks Shrouded in Mystery. But three years ago, lucky listeners of this podcast who thought, you know, I like what Dave's saying about that. What is the ticker symbol? The answer is M-E-L-I. That M-E-L-I company, Mercado Libre. Back then, it was at $87.71. That's where it closed February 10th, 2016. Today, from 87 to 370. Uh, so, it is up a four-bagger. Since when we picked it on the podcast three years ago, I'm happy to say it's even been outperformed by the final stock in this five-stock sampler. Because as good as Mercado Libre has been, and a four-bagger over any three-year period is going to bring a big smile to my face. Planet Fitness, ticker symbol PLNT, has even been a little bit better. Well, I remember when this stock was you know, originally brought up, it was a controversial pick. It had a business model that was really revolutionizing gyms, and some people thought it maybe it took advantage of the people, the non-regular gym goers. But I think their franchise model has proven that Americans want cheap, convenient access, judgment-free access to a local gym. And Planet Fitness has just posted amazing growth, uh, really sustainable margins, and has created an entire culture of, of gym membership and gym goers that, you know, three years ago, four years ago, didn't exist yet. Emily, when you and I were talking earlier today before the podcast, you, you mentioned if we didn't have fitness and health center here at Full HQ, where would you be getting in your wellness? 
100%, I'd be at a Planet Fitness. I will say they don't have all the bells and the whistles, but as somebody who just runs on a treadmill, that's all I need to get the job done. So it's one of those companies that's kind of democratizing its industry and at a pretty low monthly rate, in the same way that Netflix is a pretty low monthly subscription rate when you really think about the overall context, you know, $10 or so a month for both of these companies' services. Um, both of them, I think, help make the world smarter, happier, and richer, which is the purpose of our company, The Motley Fool, to make the world smarter, happier, and richer. And I really feel like if you combo the $10 you pay to Planet Fitness and the $10 you pay to Netflix, and maybe the $10 you pay to The Motley Fool, if you're a subscriber, I sure hope you will, I think that's a pretty great life. It's going to lead you to some good things and some long life in the case of staying fit with Planet Fitness. So, the stock Three years ago on this podcast was at $13.86. It closed that Wednesday. Today, it's almost 59 just over $58.80. That is a 324% gain. So, that's a second four-bagger picked on this podcast three years ago. When you take it all in all, this group of stocks, five stocks to feed the bear, again, the two traits we were looking for are low risk ratings. That's right. We put a number on risk here at The Motley Fool. If you're a member of Stock Advisor or Rule Breakers, you know that we've created our own risk system for rating the risk of stocks. And we put numbers on stocks. The higher the number, the higher the risk. It's a 0 to 25 point system. And so, I was looking for lower risk ratings. And as I mentioned earlier, I was looking for smaller companies, ones that could snap back stronger, presumably in the face of what a bad market it was, with my great big red sweater on three years ago this week. All right, these five stocks average a gain of 160.8%. The market over the same period, 50.1%. That is just over 110 percentage points per stock over the market averages as a list of five. And I think there are a few lessons I want to draw at the end of this week's podcast, our Review of Palooza podcast. I want to thank you so much, Emily, for your help again this week. Thanks for having me. It was great to be on. A few lessons, and one of them is certainly that losers are okay. They're part of investing. So, Carter's, which we started with with this one, 45 percentage points behind the market. But part of the risk that has you trying with companies like Carter's and sometimes not succeeding, especially in bad retail environments, that same risk really pays off when you're willing to take a risk with a company like Mercado Libre or Planet Fitness. And by the way, secret, I don't think these companies are as risky as the world probably thinks. For our risk rating system at The Motley Fool, these are actually lower risk companies, but a lot of people look at Mercado Libre and they haven't bought a foreign stock before or they have questions about Latin America. They see the bad headlines and they sure are bad headlines in Venezuela and they think, is that really a place you'd want to be? They also see Amazon starting to advance and and come into Latin America, which in some ways contradicts those negative headlines about the Venezuelas of the world. But at the same time, Mercado Libre looks risky to people. Not to me, though. Mercado Libre is the e-commerce leader. E-commerce is a great business. It is a very wealthy, well-run, founder-led company. And I would say the same thing about Planet Fitness. A lot of people think that that would be a risky company or a risky stock. We don't think so. And both of those companies have been four baggers since we did this podcast three years ago this week. All right. So, as I say goodbye to Emily, thank you again, Emily. So, lesson number one was just losers are okay. And a lot of the world doesn't doesn't feel that way. A lot of people who just start investing, the one thing they don't want to do is lose money. But we lose money constantly. I like to say, I've said this before recently on this show, when I talk with new fools who join us, I have a new fool coffee with every employee who's ever come to The Motley Fool. And in small groups, we just get to know each other. And 
One of the things I said recently is that my superhero power is just my ability to lose and lose maybe I'll say graciously, or just expect to lose, not be too affected by losing. I love that Winston Churchill line, the secret to success in life is just to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. That's paraphrased. And that's kind of how I roll and how we roll. We're very comfortable. It's okay to lose. That's lesson number one. Then just two more quick lessons for you. Lesson number two, keep score. You're not going to know whether you're winning or losing unless you're keeping score. And I think at the heart of The Motley Fool, which Tom and I, my brother Tom Gardner and I founded 26 years ago, is this belief that you should be keeping score at all times. So each of the scores that I've given you, this is just in a simple Google Docs spreadsheet. I just type in the stocks for the each of these five stock samplers. I just type in the stocks into a spreadsheet and just track it going forward. That's right. I'm not using any kind of um, big data analytics or any extra help here at The Motley Fool. People are busy doing their own work across our company and our services. So it's just little old me just like it's little old you, with Google Docs, and in this case, a spreadsheet that just helps me keep score. And what are we scoring? We're scoring beating the market. In a world where so many people don't think it would be possible to do that consistently or well over time, and therefore kind of opt out with index funds, we're here at Rule Breaker Investing saying you absolutely can beat the market. We'll show you how. We've been doing that, whether it's 26 years ago as a company, or how about just three years ago on a podcast. Now, I do know that five-stock sampler I picked from a year ago, we're a little bit behind the market with that one. I sure hope it'll come back. If it doesn't end up beating the market, I'm okay with that because almost every other five-stock sampler has, which means I'm not even that good. We've gotten really lucky with the performance, the spectacular performance we've had every 10 weeks with these five-stock samplers on the show. But I'm, I'm okay with losing those from time to time too, and you should be as well. And then my final lesson is... Just to hail back to something I said earlier, the longer your holding period, the better you should expect to do. And I kind of love that we modeled that on this week's Review a Palooza podcast. You saw that the one from a year ago, we're a little bit behind the market. Then two years ago, we're up on the market. And then three years ago, we're really up on the market. And while each of these is just a little snapshot of five stocks, it's not a full portfolio, I can assure you that my own results over the course of time, if you look at our scorecards on Stock Advisor or if you're a Rule Breakers member, you'll see that the longer we allow those stocks to just shine, we get invested in them, we add to our winners, and we hold, hold, hold. This three-year period that I use to kind of assess these five-stock samplers, that's a real minimum for how I invest for how I think you should invest as well. So, lesson number three, the longer your holding period, the better you will do, you should do, and that's worth remembering in a world that is far too often very short-term focused. All right. Well, as we close, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, or maybe it's Google Play for you, or maybe Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at, at RBI Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter if you like. I'm at David G. Fool. Finally, I hope you'll give us a review. Throw me and my producer, Rick Engdahl, throw us some stars. Let us know how we're doing. We read every comment. And next week, yep, it's your mailbag. RBI at Fool.com is the email address. In the meantime... To paraphrase Casey Kasem, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for multi-baggers. Fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.